This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. This morning I want to talk about what to do when you feel down. It just maybe it, it might not be full-blown depression. It might be. But you just feel like, oh, is there any answers for that? I believe God has answers for us even when we feel down. And all of us have been there. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I am so depressed. I'm clinically depressed. I'm taking meds. This isn't in no way meant to condemn you. But this is meant to give you hope that God has a way out. And that's not the way that, that he would desire that you live. As I've Googled, appreciate Google, I Googled strategies for when you feel down. And boy, you know Google, they'll come up with a lot of reasons. And one was, this person said, I always read positive quotes when I feel down. And they listed some of their favorite quotes. And I'm thinking, man, these quotes are lame. Uh, one of them was by Judge Judy. You remember Judge Judy? So Judge Judy says, it's, it's so profound. She said, it's your life. Live it well. Thank you, Judge Judy. I mean, that's, that's supposed to, that's just kind of like, wah, wah. That was a wah, wah quote. <laughs> and then they had another wah, wah quote. It was, it was, negative people need drama like oxygen. So be positive and take their breath away. I'm sorry, but that doesn't help me when I'm down. So scratch that. Here's another strategy. Some people go, going shopping. They call it retail therapy. I feel bad. I feel down. I'm going shopping. And that can work for a while. You bring home something nice and bright and shiny and new. It works well until the bills come in. And then you're like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> now I feel down again. So not, not the best way. There's other strategies. Um, I call them the three E's. One of them is escape. A lot of times people escape and they'll go into gaming or internet or television. I don't have a problem with gaming or internet or television unless you spend so much time there, you live in an alternate universe. And, and that kind of escapism isn't, isn't going to help you. You're just not dealing with reality. I, I went through a time in my life years and years ago where I just slept all the time. And we, Joy and I were, I was at Bible school. We were having a baby. We didn't have any money. <laughs> I was down and I was sleeping all the time. We, Joyce said, you got to go to the doctor. So we went and the doctor said, oh, you're just depressed. I never thought about that, but I was sleeping as an escape. And of course, the other extreme is it can go to substance abuse. When people aren't dealing with reality, they just simply escape into, into substance. Not good. Then there's eating. Some people eat. That's where the term comfort food comes from. You go through a hard time, and there's nothing that can take the edge off a hard time like a big bowl of bluebell and some Oreo cookies. Can I get an amen, somebody? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, problem with that is if you continue that strategy, you're going to have to exercise retail therapy because you will have outgrown your clothes. That just won't work for a long time. So people eat uh, for comfort. Uh, actually, one of the best ones, believe it or not, is exercise. And they find that if you'll exercise regularly, that, that'll help you when you're feeling down. When Joy and I were, went through a very down time in our life, we both began to run. This was years ago. We both did some long distance running and, uh, and that helped us exercise. i tell you one of the best ones. I was thinking about it. It took place out here in our parking lot yesterday. It, the, the spirit of our volunteers, people who were giving and doing things for others, man, it was cold, but it is such a 
people, our volunteers leave happy. And so you do something for somebody else, it can help lift you out of, of the doldrums. But you know, I believe God has an answer as well. Now you go ahead and clap for our volunteers. I mean, if we're gonna clap, we don't need a golf clap. We, that, that, was, that was nice, we'll, just, we'll go ahead and clap. But the idea is that God has a plan and he has solutions. God has spiritual solutions for life's problems. They don't always come with feelings, but they're spiritual solutions. So there's one that God has that, that really is, it's a powerful thing. I call it the fourth E. We had escapism, eating, and exercise. This is exalting God. Now, we, we don't use that word a lot. The psalmist uses it, for it said in Psalms 118, you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. What does it mean to exalt God? Well, it's exalting God. We did that here when we worshiped. But what you're saying is, God, you're bigger. I'm lifting you up above the problem. I'm lifting you up above whatever is causing me to be down. And if you really think about it, we're always exalting something. Something in our life is big. Maybe it's the problem. Maybe you're going through difficult things. And I listen, I know I've been there and, and the Lord has helped me. I, I went through a, a stage in my life where I really dealt with depression. And I can just tell you, there are ways out. And now doesn't happen, oh gosh, and now when I see it coming, man, I'm able to shoot it down way ahead of time. But exalting God is powerful. You're gonna lift him up above the problem. One of the ways to tell is, what are you talking about all the time? What's, what, what's on your heart and mind? That's what you're exalting. I read, a, I read a, a, a joke the other day and I thought it was funny, but I thought it actually had a point to it. So this man walks in this police department and he sits down across from the sergeant at the desk. He said, I need to report that my wife is missing. And uh, he said, she went yesterday to help some flood victims and she never came back. So the police, policeman got his chart. He said, okay, sir. He said, tell me, he said, how tall is your wife? And he goes, well, she's um, five feet-ish, something, five feet or so. He said, what color hair? He said, well, it changes a couple of times a year, but I, I, I think it's maybe brownish. He said, eye color. He said, blue, brown. Yeah, I, you know, I really didn't notice. He said, uh, how much does she weigh? He said, oh, I don't know that. She's not slim. She's not really fat. I don't really know that. He said, sir, what was she wearing? He said, well, I think she was wearing jeans, but then it might've been pants or a skirt. I'm just, I'm just not sure. He said, sir, what vehicle was she driving? He's, he said, she was in my Jeep. He said, can you tell me about the Jeep? And he began to sob. He said, yes, it was, a, it was a Wrangler, Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 2019. It had a gray metallic clear-cut coat and a black top on the, <laughs> a 3.6 liter 24 valve v, uh, V6 engine with an eight-speed transmission, Alpine sound system, black wheels with a machine lip, and it had a LED package. And he, by this time, he just melted down. And the sergeant handed him a tissue, said, there, there, son, don't worry, son, we're going to find your Jeep. So uh, <laughs> now I read that, I thought, oh man, that's a guy joke. That is just such a guy joke. But the thing about it is whatever you're talking about, whatever's biggest on your mind, what the biggest thing, that's what you're exalting in your life. So here's, here's one of the things. A lot of times you talk, you've ever talked to somebody and you're like, hey man, how are you doing? And they're like, they tell you more than you want to know. 
They're like, I was doing good, but then this happened and this happened and they were doing this and they did this, but they said this to me and I said, no, you, that's, that's not right. But they said this and this and it just, and all of a sudden it's this big. I said, well, it, can the Lord help you? Yeah, yeah, the Lord can help me. But they did this and they did, listen, we need to shift that and exalt God. I'll tell you something. God's good. He's helping me. He's strong. He's big. He's the one that can help me. Yeah, bro, but I know you got in-laws and they're causing trouble. Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about that. God is the one who's bigger in my life. He's the one that's helping me. Whatever you exalt is what's going to be big in your life. And if we're exalting God, it, it lifts us out of the down times. Great example of that is found in uh, New Testament by a man named Paul. Paul wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. He's a marvelous Christian. The Jews didn't like him. They arrested him. And they brought him before the Romans. He had, anyway, he had to appeal to Caesar. Caesar was like the Supreme Court. And they shipped him off to Rome as a prisoner on a boat. And he's on this boat and they ship, they, they change boats. And he's getting ready to go on this boat. And Paul said, he said, he said, guys, we got a problem. He said, I perceive that this is going to be a bad, this is going to be a bad trip. And it's a bad journey. He said, we're going to lose the boat. We're going to lose the cargo. He said, we're going to lose our lives. That's a pretty strong warning. But nobody listened to Paul. He's a prisoner. And so, man, they're, they're on the, the ship. They took off, had a nice breeze. They took off, and they hit a storm. Like, buddy, they hit a storm. And that wind is blowing, and it's howling, and, and, and they, couldn't even, they couldn't even go anywhere. They couldn't steer the ship. They finally just gave up, dropped the sails, and just let the, the boat run. And it went on day after day after day. No, couldn't see the sun, couldn't see the stars. They said all hope was gone. As I was reading that, I thought, maybe some of you feel that way. You feel like, man, I'm on a boat in a storm and it's not even my fault. It is, I, I shouldn't be here, but man, my situation, it, it was against my will and here I am and I'm the, you know, God can help you out of difficult situations. My wife, when we went to North Carolina years ago, my wife told the Lord, she told on me, she tattled on me to the Lord. She said, Lord, this was not my idea. I did not intend to come here. I just followed Alan. It is his fault that we're here. So wasn't that a kind prayer that my wife is praying? But you can feel that way. You're like, I never meant to be here. But an angel appeared to Paul and gave him a message. And after that, Paul stood up and he spoke to the people on the boat. Look at, look at the story here. This is Paul speaking. He said, now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship for there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now, Paul had a legitimate reason to be down. He's stuck on a boat that should never happen. He should have never been there. He feels down. He had a legitimate reason to be down, but now he's got a legitimate reason to be encouraged. He began to talk about his connection to God. He said, an angel of the God. Now, I thought it was interesting that Paul didn't go. And this angel, he was huge. He was at least eight feet, had a, had a white sash and a sword. He didn't say, he just said an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. What Paul was exalting was his relationship with God. He had a connection with God. He said, I'm connected to God. I belong to God. I serve God. I'm not off here by myself. I serve God. And this God spoke. He had a message for me. And the message is, 
We're all going to make it. We're going to lose the ship, but all of us are going to make it. We're all going to be alive. He said, take courage, man. I believe God is going to be exactly like it was told me. Now that's a reason to be encouraged. And you say, well, did the storm end? No, the storm did not end. The storm kept going. And Paul had to stand up again and he continued to exalt God in the middle of the situation. Look what he says this time. He said, I urge you to take nourishment for this is for your survival since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat and they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. So he addressed them once. He said, be encouraged, guys, I believe God. The storm kept going. Nobody was eating. In fact, they had not eaten for two weeks. And that's why he said, guys, you got to eat. He said, nobody's going to die. He had, man, that's a great word. They said, not a, you're not going to lose a hair on your head. No one's going to die. And then he took that. Now, you can imagine he's on this ship. He's probably just pitching and winds blowing. He's on this ship and he breaks bread and he gives thanks to God. Right in the presence. I, I am sure Paul did not go, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for the food. He, he, he thanked God. He probably just said, Lord, I want to thank you for this food. Lord, I want to thank you that you're delivering us. Lord, I want to thank you that nobody's going to die, that we're all going to be okay. And he actually encouraged the entire ship. And after Paul ate, they ate. As I was reading this, I thought, man, I said, that, that can apply in so many areas. Some of you, the only ones, maybe you're the only ones that have any kind of relationship with the Lord in your family. And your family's going through a storm. They need somebody to stand up and go, I believe God that he's going to help us in the middle of this situation and we're going to come through this storm. It's going to be all right. But here's another one. As I thought that, I thought, this is almost prophetic for the, for the times that we're living in. Guys, we're living in some of the most tumultuous times I've ever seen in our country. It's a, it's a stormy time. And the Christians are all standing on the deck going, y'all should have listened to me and not gone. Y'all should have listened to me and not gone this way. Y'all should have listened to me and not taken prayer out of the schools. Y'all should have listened to me and not gone all this crazy stuff. Listen, there's no sense in telling them that. We just need to be the ones to stand up and say, it's storming. It's not going to get better, but we've got answers right here in the middle of it. God is the one who can help us. And I believe God, he can get us through. What we're saying, we're the ones with the message of we can offer hope to so many people who are down. The suicide rate among, among teenagers from 13 to 24, excuse me, just young adults, 13 to 24 has risen over 56% in the last five years. There's a world out there that needs hope, and we're the ones that have hope. So how do you say, how do you have, what do you do? What's a God solution when you're feeling down? Here's one of the first things that'll help you. Don't look down on other people. Sometimes what bothers you does not bother them. And what bothers them doesn't bother you. I think that's why the Bible tells us not to judge. I've, I've talked to people sometimes and they tell me their problems and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh dear Lord, get a, get, a, get a problem. And I'm sure I've told people things and they've looked at me and gone, oh dear Lord, get a problem. It's just, it, what bothers other people? We don't know the background. My dad was a very successful businessman, but when he grew up in, in Georgia, small town in Georgia. His dad abandoned him when he was six years old. And his mom, single mom, trying to make it in 1940 in Georgia. She was trying to make it. She could not feed her three children. Well, my father had a brother and a sister. And she put all of them in an orphanage for a season until she could get them out. 
So my father grew up hungry. And he knows what it's like. I've never known what it's like. You know what's interesting? My dad, successful businessman, big, tall, strapping guy. If you went anywhere around his personal life, he had food stashed everywhere. You opened his glove box, food fell out. You opened his drawers, he had peanuts. He had little Debbies, love little Debbies. He had little Debbies. He had snacks, he had snacks everywhere. I could never starve in his office because there were snacks everywhere. But I realized I've never been hungry. He's been hungry. We don't know people's backstory. So when people are down, you know the best thing we can do is offer words of encouragement. That's the best thing we can do. And as you encourage others, it'll encourage you yourself. Here's the second thing. When we're, when we're down, what we need to do is begin to think about and talk about our connection to God. One, one of Satan's greatest tools on people is to make them feel like they're isolated. Make them feel like no one knows, no one cares, you're on your own. And yet that's not the truth. Here's the spiritual reality. It's found in, in Romans 15, excuse me, 8:15. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Abba Father. Now I know it may not feel that way. You may not wake up in the morning and feel like, oh, I'm adopted in the family. But spiritual realities are not always accompanied by feelings. So we have to learn to walk above feelings and go, I don't feel so great, but Father, I believe that you are my heavenly Father. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You are my helper, and I am your child. I am adopted in the family. And so when we do that, I always love you guys. You're so much more awake than the other groups. But when we do that, listen, when we do that, that's beginning to help us. You will not move up if you're talking down. If you're constantly saying, ah, no one cares, no one knows, you're not helping yourself. So one of the best things you can do is begin, just put a smile, on your, paste a smile on your face and fake it till you make it. Lord, I want to thank you that you're on my side. Thank you that you're being good. So talk about that connection. Second thing is, what do you believe in this situation? When you're down, often it's so easy to look at the situation and believe it's never going to get better. But that's not what God says. Jesus asked, he asked these two blind guys one time, look at, look at this, Jesus talked to him. When he came to the house, Jesus, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And Jesus actually answered them and said, good, according to your faith, be it unto you. Guys, what we believe matters. What you believe matters. So you might be, you ever thought you might be believing the wrong thing? Maybe somebody told you, you could never have a relationship with God. You can never be spiritual. You're a lost cause. Your family's spiritual, but you're not. You can't, you'll never amount to much. The problem is those words have no impact on your life unless you believe them. But if you believe them, you've given them power. There was a man in England who was digging in a field near his house and he dug up a World War II bomb. You know, England, they were bombed a lot by Germany. There was a bomb. So he... He, when he got the bomb, he picked it up. He realized, oh no, I have a bomb. And he thought, if I let this go, evidently with some lever on it, if I let this go, this bomb is going to detonate. So he holds the bomb, makes a cell phone call, calls the English version of 911. So you need to get a bomb squad out here. I've got a bomb. I found a World War II bomb. And the operator kept telling him, sir, you're going to be okay. Sir, you're going to be okay. He kept telling her, lady, you're not the one holding the bomb. And so he's 
holding the bomb. He's leaving messages for his wife and kids about how much he loves them. And if this bomb blows up, you know, he just wanted to tell them his last words, how much he loved them. So he's holding the bomb, leaving messages. It took four hours for the bomb squad to get to him. So here they come and they trot out there to see he's holding this bomb. And when they look at the bomb, they realize, oh, that's not a bomb. It is an automatic transmission to a Citron vehicle that was in... (laughs) So you're holding a transmission going, it's a bomb. It's not a bomb. But he believed it was a bomb. Scared him to death because he thought it was a bomb. There are too many people who are holding automatic transmissions and believe it's a bomb. That's not what God said. That's not his promise to you. So you say, well, well then Alan, what am I going to believe? Because everyone's told me this. This is where God's word, his promises, give us something to hold on to. And then the word that he whispers to our hearts. Give us something that can lift us out of when we're down. I was having a surgery a number of years ago. It was the very first time I'd ever had a surgery. And it was LASIK surgery. You know, when you think about LASIK surgery, it's pretty routine. If it's happening to you, if it's happening to me, they're going to cut into my eyeball. That's a scary thought. And so I was going to have surgery, and they told me they're going to cut all these little lines. In my, well, I'm thinking this is my first surgery, and I'm thinking to myself, Okay, okay. But it made me uneasy. I I know none of you have been there. Indulge me just for a moment. So I'm I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this. Well, thinking about it is not helping me. So I was reading in my devotion. That's one of the biggest reasons I talked to you about reading your Bible. God has the ability to talk to you just in in, in ways you, you didn't even expect. I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading Psalm 16. Psalm 16, 6 says, The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. And immediately, right in my heart, I knew that the lines they cut in my eyes, it was going to work. It was going to be okay. And you think, Alan, you're kind of wimpy if a LASIK surgery bothered you. Like I said, don't judge. What bothers you may not bother me. And what bothers me may not bother you. But here's the good news is, even in something as minor as that, the Lord had a word for me that helped me. I didn't get down. I walked in there. They said, you want to know all the things that could go wrong? I went, no, I know it's going to go okay. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places, and they did, and it all worked out great. It was a wonderful thing. But it gave me, it gave me something to hold on to that was bigger than my situation. Here's the last one. And you did not think you were going to get through a thank, the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving without something said about Thanksgiving. So it's just, I'm a preacher, guys. It's what we do. So if you can give thanks to God before the situation changes. You know, Paul, he's, stand, he's standing on that boat giving thanks to God before he was delivered. That's a powerful thought. If you can give thanks to God, because when you're giving thanks to God, what you're absolutely doing is you're making God bigger. Here's a a great verse. Here's here's the verse that backs that up. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. You know, the beautiful thing about giving thanks is they're starting to do secular studies on Thanksgiving. And what they found is that people who are thankful and grateful actually have better emotional and physical health. Say, well, why is that so, Alan? Because when you're thankful, you've taken your mind off what you don't have, what you don't know, what you, what you can't do, and you're grateful for what you do have, what you can do, what you do know. And it puts you on a positive track. And so it, it helps lift you above a situation. It's, I'm telling you, I, this is very, it's hard to be thankful 
and down at the same time. You've never met anyone who say, I just want to tell you how thankful I am. Praise God. I am so incredibly <laughs> thankful. No, no, it, you, you can't do both. And what, here's another thing too. When, when, we're, when we're thankful, when we have a lift to us, do you realize there's so many people who are on your boat that need that? You begin to encourage yourself, but you also encourage the people who are traveling with you. And we need some people with some life and some light in them to go, I believe God, guys, we're going to be okay. My favorite Thanksgiving story was the, was the story of a, of a single father uh, had one little boy's raising, and the mom had died. And this father was trying to do everything he could to be a, a, a father and mother to this little boy. I have such appreciation for our single parents. It's a tough job. And he told the little guy that he was going to take him to a park the next day on his very first picnic. He'd never been on a picnic, just a little guy. He was so excited. And they packed all the picnic stuff, and they're getting ready to go on the, on the uh, but the little boy went to his bedroom to go to sleep. He couldn't sleep. He was just so excited. So he ran in there and pushed his father. His father said, what, what is it, son? He said, Daddy, I'm, I'm just so excited about tomorrow. I can't sleep. And uh, his father said, son, I need you to sleep I, I, or we're not going to have a good day. So the little boy went back to bed. But about 15 minutes later, he's back again. Daddy, Daddy, I'm just so excited about tomorrow. And, and the father was a little firmer this time. He said, son, I really need you to, to go back to your bedroom and sleep. Daddy needs to sleep. You need to sleep. So the little boy trudges back to his room. And about an hour later, sleep came to the father, not to the little boy. And he woke up with the child standing right over his face. <laughs> if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're just <laughs> standing. And, he, and when the father woke up at first, he was, he was about to be harsh with the son. But when he saw the look on his son's face, it took all the harshness out. He said, what is it, son? And the little boy said, Daddy, I just want to thank you for tomorrow. I love that story. Because when I think about how good God has been, man, when he's been gracious to us, when I think about the fact that I failed at my first church and things were just a mess and that God gave me a chance and pulled me out when I was down and just sad because of what I've done and he gave me a chance and we were out there yesterday. We fed thousands of people. When I think about, we're sitting here in a beautiful building. When I think about how good God has been, I want to say, Lord, thank you for what, how you've been. But you know what? I don't believe we've stopped. I still believe our best days as a church are still ahead of us. And I'm one that wants to say, Lord, I want to, I want to thank you. Lord I, Lord, I want to thank you for tomorrow. Now, I don't, I'm not the only one that can say that. You might have had a, a life that's been rough, but it would tell you, if God's on your side, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you can look out and say, Lord, I want to thank you for tomorrow. I believe my best days are still ahead. I believe good things can happen to me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for tomorrow. When you do, it can lift you up when you're feeling down. That's not God's plan. His plan is that we're beacons of light in a world that needs so much encouragement. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I'm going to ask, please, no one leave or, or disturb the people around you. Just, just for a moment, give an opportunity just to honor the Lord and respect those around us. I came today and said, Alan, I don't even have a relationship with the Lord that I know of or I'm not sure. Or maybe you're here and you say, man, I used to have a relationship with God and I walked away from him and I want to, I want to come back. I, that's not where I want to live. We're going to say a, a, a very 
short but very powerful prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front. But this prayer is for you. If it is, and you acknowledge that, and you want to say, Alan, would you pray for me? Would you just real quickly shoot your hand up real quick across this auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Anybody else, Alan, would you pray for me? This prayer is for me. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. It takes guts to do that, but thank you for that. Thank you for your acknowledgement. Hands have gone up all over. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? You put your hands down. We're going to pray. And maybe for some reason you just didn't lift your hand and you're sitting there thinking, oh, I missed my chance. You did not miss your chance. We're going to pray this prayer. This is a heart prayer. You can pray it with us. Pray it out loud. We're going to pray it out loud with you. Pray it out loud so you can hear yourself pray this. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, the head's still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who stepped out of darkness into light, and for those who've come back home. And Father, for the rest, for the rest of us, if anyone came in here today thinking they'd be, the world would be better off without them, it's not a right thought, and that's not your thought. Those, Father, who've just been down and blah for so long, thank you, Father, for a ray of hope, a spark of light, a moment of life that can lift them out so they don't have to feel down and live down the rest of their lives. Thank you for your goodness to us. We appreciate that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.